If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Dr Raquel Butler. She's got a background as a rider in dressage and eventing, but is now a vet who's qualified in biomechanical medicine. How are you today, Raquel? Yeah, good, thanks, Dennis. Lovely to chat to you. Lovely to chat to you too, Raquel. I'm very interested to ask you the question about what is biomechanical medicine? So biomechanical medicine encompasses chiropractic and osteopathic techniques and Mm -hmm. musculoskeletal rehabilitation and it's a course that's run only for qualified veterinarians and human osteopaths and human chiropractics for treating of horses and dogs. Good, good. All right, so we want to talk about specifically about horses when we talk about this, but before we even start, what's your favourite quote? Tell us about how it's inspired you or influenced you with horses. Um, My favourite quote is actually from Albert Einstein, um, the only source of knowledge is experience. Mm -hmm. Horses have humbled me many times over and my experiences have humbled me. And just when you think you know, um, an experience makes you realise you don't. So I think it's really important to be um, open-minded and um, to value your experiences as you learn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure vets are like coaches, you know, that you get qualified and you get qualified at almost a minimal level. You know, like you're qualified, you're there, you can go out and do it, but you learn so much more when you're actually out there in practice doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell us about how you started with horses yourself. Tell us about an early memory that you would have, you know, they, the particular day that you might have learned a lesson about horses. Um, well, I first sat on a horse when I was one years old, Um have a photo of me sitting on my mum's old mare. And one of my first memories is riding um, her old mare bear back down to the paddock. And of course, um, you know, mum was supposed to be leading me, but I didn't have a helmet on. And um, anyway, she let me go for a second. The mare started trotting back to the paddock and I fell off and um, <laughs> she was standing on my hair so I couldn't oh, no. um, get up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, but she yeah. stopped and she just waited until my mum came but I guess that was um one of my kind of memories that uh yeah. reminded us to always wear a helmet and I was very lucky <laughs> yes but what a kind horse to just stop and wait <laughs> oh yes yeah, yeah, yeah she just stood there and mum wondered why I couldn't get up and it was because yeah. she was on my hair <laughs> <laughs> all right now from there we always going to be a vet you know because a lot of people say that you know oh you love animals you're going to be a vet but not many actually get through to become a vet when did you make that decision um i made that decision when i was six years old mm-hmm. and that that i wanted to be a vet and i didn't know what else that i wanted to 
do. That was always my chosen career and I always had an affinity with animals. And then I met Ian Bidstrup when I was already a vet and he's the person who inspired me to... Um, sorry, I was a vet student at the time and he inspired me to look into um, chiropractic and uh, treating horses from that perspective and I'd had very difficult horses so that was an area that really interested me. Mm-hmm. So when you say you had difficult horses, difficult behaviour-wise? Yes, I had a horse that you would girth and would lay down. Um, I had a horse that would um, buck and rear and... I had horses that would take off and all of those kind of typical behavioural issues, which I now know um, would have been related to pain and other restrictions in their body rather than Mm -hmm, behaviour. Were they horses that you had earlier before you knew as much as you did now? You know, so you can't, too late to treat now, but just the knowledge that you could have helped them. Yeah, absolutely. They were horses that I had growing up Mm, Um, mm. and I, you know, tried to get a few people out to fix them and help me, but I really didn't understand even the implications of things like saddle fit. So, yeah, if I had have known then what I knew now, then it would have been a very different story. All right. Now, if someone wants to be there, because a lot of people, especially when they're young, you know, they've got affinity with animals and all the relations go around and say, oh, you're going to be a vet because you like animals. But it takes a bit more than just liking animals, doesn't it? What else does it take to become a vet besides that affinity with animals? Yeah, I think yeah, in, liking animals is an important part of it, but often as a vet you do have to do things that are um, not pleasant, such as putting them down. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's... It's a challenging industry in um, the expectation level of owner, like you're dealing with the owners and the animals. So Mm -hmm. being able to have a bit of a thick um, skin is important and being able to be kind of realistic in what you can and and can't do um, to help the animals and not kind of feel like it's always uh, your responsibility of what happens to that animal because it's often down to the owner's choices and sometimes money and things as well. So it can it can be quite a um a challenging career with after hours. Um and I think the most important thing is if you do become a vet to get a very supportive boss. Okay. Good. Good. What do you think's the best thing about being a vet? Um, I would say the options that it gives you. So it gives you many options to be able to kind of go into different areas and it's certainly given me the options to end up now teaching at a university so without having that um that veterinary qualification I wouldn't have gained the knowledge that has allowed me to be in this position so okay. I think it gives you many kind of options and and variations within even being a, a vet as well okay now within this biomechanical medicine How do you think, you know, if you've got like a case study that you'd like to say that you've helped a horse or, you know, something that you can give us some examples of? I've dealt with quite a few horses with behavioural issues that um, people haven't been able to figure out and they have um, generally kind of come down to underlying pain issues Mm-hmm. And so working with the, the horse's body and with them 
um, and trying to figure out where in the body their problems are. Um, probably one of my um, things is even with my own horse. Yeah. So he's an ex racehorse who was extremely difficult when I got him and um, he, he would kick and bite and become very kind of emotional um, and being able to kind of help him physically and emotionally to become calm and relaxed and um, and think through his reactions has been extremely rewarding and to develop that um, relationship with him. Yeah. All right. Now, you talked about Dr. Ian Bidstrup, who's influenced you, but what about horses who've influenced you? Have you had your own individual horse or was that the one then? Yep. So, yeah, Henry has been a big kind of influence in my life because he's probably taught me the most, but I've had a lot of difficult horses, so that's probably been the biggest influence that have, you know, still tried their hardest and done their best, Mm -hmm. um, even with their underlying issues. So each one of those has kind of motivated me to go down this path. And a special horse was Jack, and he, um, I trained him from off the track up to doing, you know, half pass and um, jumping and and he was a he was a very beautiful horse and I unfortunately had to sell him to go overseas but he became a head shaker and even with that he still um, tried his heart out so he's probably a big one that I kind of commit everything to because um, we could never quite figure out where and why he was head shaking at the time and I could definitely have helped him now. Okay, what do you think it was? Uh, I have my I mean. He reacted to allergies and pollens, um, but I have suspicions that it originally came from a hind end, um, which is not a common way of thinking about head shaking. But being an ex-racehorse, he definitely had hind end weaknesses. So I think potentially that's where it stemmed from when I look back at all the little signs that added up. Okay. What do you think has been your proudest moment then? Um my proudest moment would be the moment that I rode my recent horse, Henry, bareback and bitless. Um, and to be able to get um, such an emotionally charged horse that I was told was dangerous and um, to to basically get rid of him, to be able to kind of get to that moment and have him responding to me and, and um, doing as I asked him to do was a very proud moment. Mm-hmm. Thinking about, this is, you know, talking about the biomechanical medicine again, what do you think is the biggest challenge in treating horses within that whole biomechanical medicine? You know, if you see a problem, a horse with a problem and you want to treat them, what's been the biggest challenge? Um, One of the biggest challenges is realising, so I've also done quite a few horse dissections um, with Sharon May Davis and, One of the biggest challenges is knowing what could potentially be on the inside when you're trying to treat things from the outside Mm -hmm. Um, and having seen uh, what is on the inside, often it's a lot more complex than what we could ever have realised. So I think that that has been a big challenge for me to recognise that you can't fix everything because sometimes the the underlying uh, trauma is is too severe, so it's always working within those limitations. Mm-hmm. And the other challenge is is getting owners to recognise their commitment, but also 
the importance of things like saddle fit and hoof balance um, and even the way that they're being ridden and how that's gonna, those things are going to have a massive impact on the way that they respond to a treatment. Okay, okay. So with the owners, you're saying to get the owners to do their part. Do you get owners who say, look, I'm just not interested, I just want to, you know, I just want to ride my horse, who are a little bit, um, I suppose, old school as far as the holistic approach goes? Yep, yep. I certainly had those owners and they usually didn't end up um, staying as my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, The clients that I did have were very committed to their horses and um, did kind of do the exercises and do the best that they could do um, for their horse. So they saw great results because of that. Usually, yeah, I would tell people, you know, if they kind of weren't willing to um, have a little bit of time off the horse or put in a bit of commitment with the exercises, then they were probably not going to get the most out of the money that they spent for me mm-hmm. to treat their horse. So, okay. um, and that was not a, a problem for me because I worked with the ones that did. Yes, yes, you've got your, your own select group, which is good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, just thinking about a common fault that you might see across the board, you know, if you go into a new area, see new people, what's a common fault that they've got with their horses? Um, I actually think it comes back to riding mm-hmm. <laughs> and our underlying um, vision of, of a horse in correct balance and, um, and posture. So I think a common problem is that horses are not kind of well-developed through their back and utilising their core and in self in, in self-carriage uh, adequately. So I think that our image of what self-carriage is needs to be altered and uh, true kind of self-carriage, they're really lifting up through their back, they're engaging their core and they're reaching up and out with their, um, their nose and their pole and, and definitely in front of the vertical. So I think that that's quite a common um, fault and that we're hopping on them just uh, too early and that they're not kind of developed and, and supportive enough through their body to, to support us in the saddle. Okay, okay. So if you've got someone, you know, if you go to treat their horse and um, you can see this is a problem, what do you normally tell them? What advice do you get? Do you ask them to have to get a specialist coach to help them or what um, advice? Yeah, like the number one thing would make sure that their saddle was fitting yeah. okay, um, because yes. you know, otherwise you can't you can't ride them appropriately if your saddle's not fitting. So we'd start with that, so getting a, a qualified saddle fitter to assess their saddle fit mm-hmm. and see if, make sure that that wasn't an issue. And then I would show them a few little tips so groundwork tips and rehab kind of exercises to help as well and then um yeah usually I would have um a coach that I could refer them to who was working along the lines that I was um that that I wanted them to understand okay okay and then have you got any books that you'd recommend Jenna just something that's going to complement the work that you do with them yeah actually um the book that I would recommend is actually to go to a dissection with Sharon May Davis. I don't oh, okay. think anything she, she hasn't can written replace any books, that. No, she hasn't written any books, but mm. um, to just go to a dissection and get a dissection manual. But 
Atlas of the Equine Musculoskeletal System by um, Dr. Ivana Ruddock-Land is also a great kind of pictorial anatomy um, textbook that gives you a greater understanding of the horse's inside. Okay, okay. And it's easy to say go to a, a dissection, but she's a little hard to get into. Yes, she is. To, to book into. She only has very restricted numbers. <laughs> yeah. What are you looking forward to at the moment? It says you've got something coming up. Um, yep. Um, looking forward to doing some research at CSU yep. with some rehab uh, and anatomy. And I'm also, yeah, looking forward to speaking at Equitana as well on that um, equine stifle and biomechanical assessment from the hyoid to the horse. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's um, going to be a great um, exhibition this year. I had to go and have a look where the hyoid was. So if you'd like to explain yeah. <laughs> the hyoid to, to the hoof and why you've chosen that. Yep. So the hyoid is um, a set, a group of bones up um, in under the jaw and it supports the tongue. It also supports the um, upper airway and um, it's an area that I have great interest in and, and will hopefully pursue with research one day because it has so many connections, um, both anatomical and fascial connections to the rest of the body. Um, so there's direct connection to the stifle, for example. And, um, you know, as a lot of therapists believe that the hyoid is kind of a mirror of what's going on within the horse's body. So to be able to kind of show those connections through research would be um, extremely rewarding. Um, the hyoid also connects up uh, into the bottom of the ear, and um, but it's a it's able to go through kind of a three dimensional range of motion as well. So yeah, I think it's a really important area. A lot of therapists really um, assess that area and treat that area quite a lot, mm -hmm. and it's just quite astounding the connections um, all the way through the horse and how treating that area can alter the hind end of the horse. Okay, good, good. Now, if you're going to sum up your philosophy just into a lesson or into a message for our listeners, what would you say? Um, one of the biggest things I'd say is always listen to your horse. Okay. Um, so they might not have a voice, but they will communicate with you um, in many ways if you just kind of see them and ask them and value their opinions, um, which might not always be what you want to hear. But if you think that, your horse has something going on or something wrong and people are telling you otherwise, um, trust your own judgment as well because okay. uh, so far I've never met an owner that's been wrong <laughs> in that way. All right. Now, Raquel, how can people contact you? What's the best way? Um, I have a Facebook page, Integrated Veterinary Therapeutics. Uh -huh. um, and, yeah, so that's probably the easiest way. All right, and those details will be on our page as well at horsechats.com slash Raquel Butler yep. and all the details about the Facebook page and uh, the other contact details, you can get hold of us if you just have a look at that website and that link. Is there a phone number or that's all on the page as well, is it? Um, yep, my phone number is 0435 yes. 813-505. Yep. But, um, yeah, obviously my integrated veterinary therapeutics is separate from my work at, um, at sure. CSU, so yep. that's my full-time job at the moment, so just so that people, yeah, recognise that. 
No worries at all. All right, great to talk to you. And um, I'm sure we'd like to get you back sometime soon, especially talking about from the highway to the hoof because, you know, you only talk for a couple of minutes on that, but I'm sure that there's a lot more information you'd be able to give us about that. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Raquel. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Gwyneth. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.